0: Are you interested in cracking the customer code?
1: You've got customers, and we will help you work with them to deliver a great experience to grow your business.
0: I'm Jeannie Walters. And
1: I'm Adam Taborik.
0: Join us as we learn from those business leaders who get it. And a few who don't. And together, we'll crack the customer code. Welcome to Episode 10 of Crack the Customer Code. Today, we're talking a bit about leadership.
1: That's right. There are more CCOs and CX vice presidents and other customer-focused C-suite executives than ever before, and we're going to talk a bit about those roles.
0: That's right. And our guest, Ingrid Lindbergh, is actually a chief customer experience officer for Prime Therapeutics. So we're excited to talk to her.
1: And guess what? We've got customer hero, customer zero, and we've got a customer hero story about what certain towns and cities are doing to create more positive customer service moments for visitors.
0: Cool. So first, do you know that your organization's mission statement can have a lot to do with customer experience? We investigated what works and created a checklist. Download the customer-centric mission statement checklist ebook at www.360connects.com. That's 360-C-O-N-N-E-X-T.com. So, Adam, have you found that there are more customer-focused leaders with these fancy titles lately?
1: Absolutely. We've been seeing these, you know, pop up for quite a few years now. We actually did a little search on LinkedIn just to see what was out there. Of course, I think the big one is Chief Customer Officer, CCO. Mm-hmm. There's Customer Experience Vice President. There is the AVP of Customer Digital Experience. Oh, that was an interesting one. What are some of the ones you've heard of?
0: Well, I think I'm seeing a pattern, too, with customer engagement being part of the title. So customer engagement, EVP, customer experience, CMO is one that I saw. So they're trying to kind of identify the chief marketing officer as the customer experience officer as well. And in healthcare, there's a lot around patient experience. So VP of patient experience, chief patient experience officer, all of those things. And
1: this is like, you know, I know this is music to my ears, music to your ears, because you know, you sort of look at organizational structure, you sort of look at the traditional structure of a large organization, and the customer is the one that pays the bills, and there's no title, no department <laughs> dedicated to the actual mission of the company, which is, you know, providing value to the customer, whatever that business may be. So, what I like is that, you know, it's all about customer centricity, right? Which is sort of a buzzword, but this puts some sort of, you know, iron in the glove. It really says, you know, we're committed to a sort of customer centric view to an outlook that's all about shaping our experiences around the customer. Either that or we just wanted a fancy title to pretend we're customer centric (laughs) and nobody actually listens to this guy. And that happens too.
0: Well, and I think part of that is around defining these roles. Because they're new, they don't always know who they are before they get someone in there. And I don't know about you, but some of the job descriptions either seem ridiculously big, like you're going to be in charge of basically everything, but actually with no power in some cases. Uh, there or they seem way too narrowly defined. So they're saying you're in charge of customer experience, except communications is handled differently, billing is handled differently, retail stores are handled differently. And so what what are you really left with? It's I think we're in this really interesting point in the history and the evolution of our discipline here that we're going to start defining these roles better. And it's my personal belief that things will start splintering like they did in marketing. So there will be people with really specialized roles in the customer experience office. Um, There will be a whole department eventually. But right now, it's a lot of leadership. It's a lot of guesswork. And in some cases, I mean, we're talking to some of the best people out there who are in these roles.
1: Right. And the thing, you know, you talk about the specialized roles and the the splintering off as, as this develops. The one thing that's going to be important and is still the challenge is having that one big role in what sort of political clout do they have in the organization? What actual clout do they have in the organization? Because the challenge of being a customer experience officer or CCO is that everything that happens is part of your job. Right. The entire customer experience. But how do you wrangle marketing and finance and billing And all of these sort of siloed departments, how do you get them together to provide a holistic customer experience, which means the CEO is always the chief customer officer Mm -hmm. because they're Mm -hmm. truly the only one who has the power to sort of move all the parts together.
0: That's right. And, you know, a couple episodes ago, we talked to Tabitha Dunn and she actually is she, she spoke to us about how she got buy in from the people who she would have to work with she would have to partner with in that organization and so i thought that was interesting to think about too so there are so many moving parts to this it's it's pretty phenomenal and we're really lucky because we have with us a chief customer experience officer today
1: that's right we have ingrid lindberg ingrid is the chief customer experience officer at prime therapeutics and is responsible for developing and overseeing the implementation of the enterprise customer experience strategy Her role within Prime is the first of its kind within the pharmacy benefit management industry, and has been created to ensure Prime's customers have the best pharmacy experience possible, and that the voice of the customer is a driver within the decision-making
2: processes at Prime. How are you today, Ingrid? I am great, Adam. Thanks so much for having me. How are you? I am wonderful. Thanks so much.
0: Hey, Jeannie. Well, first of all, let me just say I just listened to that job description. And it's pretty darn big. (laughs) You have a lot going on. So how do you prioritize that? How do you prioritize all that you have to do as chief customer experience officer to focus on the best customer experience for your customers?
2: You know, I think those of us with this job title are uh, drawn to craziness, right? We all <laughs> like a lot of activity, super fast paced, lots of change. Uh, I have very few peers out there who are like, oh, my days are quite calm. So uh, for some reason, those of us who like to do this customer experience stuff really love being in the fire. Uh, I think that, you know, the best part about my job and how I can actually prioritize everything I do are one in the same, which is really I spend so much of my time without our customers, who we refer to as members, Mm -hmm. because they're members of health plans that we serve. And I allow what they're asking me to do to prioritize what we do. So we really use what our customers are telling us as the prioritization methodology for how I spend my days, where we spend our money, and how we spend our time as an organization.
1: That's so great. And, you know, you're using the customer's voice to sort of tell you what to do. But one of the challenges is always is the C-suite listening. So what do you think needs to change sort of across the board in the C-suite to get a more customer centric focus?
2: You know, I think one of the the questions that I get from tons of firms that I work with is that one. How do you get your C-suite to actually hear what your customers are saying? And, um, you know, I think it's just human nature, right? As people get higher and higher up in their careers and they hit that C-suite, they really are so far away from the people that they're serving. And it's really through no fault of their own, right? That's mm-hmm. what happens to us as we ascend through our career paths. But I really am a big believer in let's do some pretty hardcore immersion. So I tend to bring our members into my C-suite. I do a lot of live focus groups. I do things like happy hours where I introduce our members to our executive team and, you know, let them have the opportunity to hang out and chat for a while. And we found lots of ways to make sure that on a daily basis, we all remember the 26.2 million people that we serve right now. And uh, one of the ways that we've done that is I've actually built what I refer to as our customer experience. Command Center. And it's the room that all of our executive decisions are made in. It's the room that we all meet in every single day. It's where we have our weekly executive team meetings, right? You get the picture. And that room is covered in verbatims and live quotes and live Twitter feeds and pictures of our members and letters from our members and stats about how we're doing. And it's kind of hard to ignore when you're surrounded by it. So it's a pretty good reminder for us. And it helps to get that executive team really aligned about, you know, what are people actually asking for from you? Because it isn't about your profit and loss numbers, right? That's not Mm -hmm. what they're asking.
0: (laughs) That's right. Well, and I love that example, because I've seen some other examples that try to remind the management and the executive team that the customer is at the end of this, but they do things like I've seen blankets that say customer, (laughs) and they're just thrown over a chair. And so people are supposed to think that the customer is sitting there. But (laughs) within about an hour, it just it goes away. People don't really interact. They don't see it anymore. And it's not real. And I love that yours is more real time and that they're able to see these things that they can then internalize to help them do their jobs better, which is really cool. So I love that idea. And Ingrid, I've seen you speak on this subject over and over and over. And I'm curious, what are some of the questions you get from the things that you do when you're speaking What are some of the questions you get over and over about creating a customer experience strategy like this?
2: You know, Jeannie, great question. I think the the number one question that I get is, where do you start? Mm. Um, I think that, you know, in the last, I've been doing this for about 20 years now. So I feel like I'm an old hat, right? I'm learning (laughs) every day that I'm an old hat. And I, I think that um, there's just so much excitement with this tidal wave of customer experience coming along and do I journey map first or do I start doing this first or mm-hmm. what do I do first? And everyone has an answer that's different. Um, so it's it's not necessarily that there's a right or wrong answer, but the question that I always get is how do I begin? And, you know, regardless of what you choose to do to apply, that. How do you start? Where you have to start is just by listening. And every time I go into a new company and, you know, I've been lucky, I've had the opportunity to do this job in a bunch of companies and in a bunch of industries over the last 20 years. And whether it was at American Express or whether it was at Cigna, the first thing that I did and the first thing that I do is I'd go out on the road and I spend as much time as I possibly can. And I mean like a good 90 to 120 days talking to our customers, talking to my frontline employees, talking to people who used to be my customers Mm. and really figuring out what the heck is going on and what's the real picture because the market research won't show you. So you always just got to immerse yourself and get in there. I
0: totally, totally
2: agree.
1: You know, I'm curious. We were talking about C-suite buy-in. You know, when you took these jobs, I'm not asking you to divulge anything personal. I mean, did you pretty much tell them before you took the job, hey, look, I don't plan to be in the office for the first 90 days. Here's here's how I want to do this. You know, what was the buy-in did that even impact your decision on where to go?
2: You know, Adam, I am I'm pretty lucky on this one. So, I am um, I have I'm in a position in my career where I get hired by a lot of CEOs because they either have worked with me before or know what I do. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of loud. So my reputation precedes <laughs> me because of that, I say. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's, there's two things that I do. I kind of walk in when I'm having my first conversation with my hiring leader, that CEO, and I say, look, here's how I approach it. Here's what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to hand you anything within the first 90 days. Because if I do that, I'm faking it. And you don't want me to fake it. You don't want me to take what I learned from the last company and just repackage it and hand it to you. You want me to build this for you from scratch. And so I've learned that as long as I set that expectation, About look, it's going to take us a good six to nine months to figure out exactly what this journey is gonna look like. So just be patient with me. Here's my tried and true methodology. We know it works. I've gotten a lot of slack because of that, but it's um the first time was tough, right? I was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't have an answer for you yet. Back (laughs) off, dudes. (laughs) I'm sure they loved that. (laughs) I'm sure they did too. But you know what? It worked in the end, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Well,
0: that's great. And I think this is fascinating because you are such a pioneer in the space and I think you're such an innovator. So I really, really appreciate all that you've shared with us today. And I would continue to wish you good luck, but I know you don't need it because you just rock at this job. (laughs) So um, thank you so much for being with us. And how can people find you if they want to reach out to you?
2: You know, I am about as simple to find as it can be. I'm out on LinkedIn. Ingrid Lindbergh, I'm the only one. There's one <laughs> in Sweden. She doesn't count. Um, I'm at <laughs> Icy Lindbergh on Twitter. And Jeannie Adam, thank you both for uh, for continuing to carry the message. We need people like you out there helping us to elevate, elevate, elevate. So have a great day, you guys. Thank you. Thank you, you do, so thank much. Thank you so much. Take care. Take care.
0: Bye-bye. It's time for Customer Hero, Customer Zero. <laughs> in honor of winter we are
1: talking about the ski resort town of steamboat springs colorado guess what they did what did they do they actually had a customer service problem in the town Hmm. so what happened is market researchers went into steamboat springs and you know they surveyed the town's customers and found out that only 70 percent would recommend steamboat springs Now, we both do customer experience. You know, that's the the likelihood to recommend us. The NPS score, 70 is a great number. It is, usually. Except that it was seven points down from three years before. Hmm. So here's what was cool. And this was like why why we're talking about it today. They actually got together the Steamboat Springs Chamber Resort Association. Let me get all those words in there. Okay. They got together the businesses and they did customer service training for multiple businesses. They did it as a group, as a town to just bring up the level of service in general for the whole town.
0: That's a really cool idea. And if you think about tourism – You could lose somebody to another town. I mean, especially in Colorado, you can go skiing somewhere else. You can go biking somewhere else. So making sure that people have a great experience within the town, that has a direct effect on the bottom line of the economics of that area.
1: No, absolutely. That's sort of the, it's the rising tide lift all boats, right? I mean, that's what it really comes down to. Cause yeah, if you're New York or you're LA, people are coming cause they're coming. You, you know, everybody there can be as rude as they want cause they're New York or LA. But if you're <laughs> Steamboat Springs, you know, they may go to Aspen or Vail or Telluride or wherever they may go. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, there's a real actually competitive, you know, impetus there for the overall experience of when you go to that location.
0: Well, and you think about how interesting that training must have been because I'm sure competitors were sitting right next to each other and learning the same things and having to invest in this idea that we're all in this together to serve customers better. That's-
1: oh, you know they're like sitting there looking at each other like, <laughs> yeah, I like, I'm on your team for about five more minutes, buddy.
0: <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, that's really cool. It also reminds me of Seattle and their 12th man. Have you ever heard of that? I have not. Well, they the Seattle Seahawks, the football team, because I know – You might not know that.
1: (laughs) I know that much about football.
0: (laughs) But they started this idea of the 12th man, which is the fan. And it has totally caught on in this really major way in the entire area, really around Seattle, but especially within the city. And when I was there recently, I noticed that there were, you would see signs that say 12 throughout the city. And there, I just read something that if you put 12 on anything, it sells out in that area. And it's because the fans feel so connected and appreciated. There's something that came out that was the 12th can pale ale. (laughs) And so they're really playing off this idea that you know what, the most important person is the fan is the customer. And I think that's really cool that they're all working together like that. And that you see it when you're there not just for a football game. But throughout that whole area, you really see that appreciation.
1: Well, that is really neat. And I think we are now officially going to have to take a break from the podcast because I am going to go out to Seattle and launch the 12th man customer service workshop. (laughs) There you go. I'm
0: I'm doing it. That's it. I'm in. Awesome. Well, that's a great place to wrap up. I agree. Thanks for listening to episode 10 of Crack the Customer Code. I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can find out more about me at 360 connectcom
1: And I'm Adam Toporek, and you can find me at stick.com. Also, if you want to get more episodes or to get the show notes from today's episode, please go to crackthecustomercode.com.
0: If you like what you hear, we'd really love a review on iTunes and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. And please tell someone you know. We'd like to expand this conversation. So until next time, take care of yourself and take care of your customers.